Man, am I ever glad for another two years I have a rest. Rest, rest. Praise God. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles, Acts chapter 6, verse 1, and then Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Good to be back. I want to thank everybody that had uh, filled in for me while I was gone and ministering the word of the Lord. Thank you, first of all, for Brother Jake Heil and uh, his great ministry on Wednesday night. Then Sister Melissa, and why, what a message, hallelujah, by invitation only, that'll preach, <laughs> hallelujah, thank you Jesus, and uh, my, 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 how, how great a thought that was, that was terrific, praise the Lord, amen. I'm uh, Getting back to the election, um, if, if, if Jesus was on the ballot, and let's say everybody in the world would have a chance to vote on him, how many of you think would elect him president of the world? How many would elect him president of the United States? Amen. He'd never get a majority. I'm, I, you know, and, and truthfully, he can't, he can't be my president. He can't be my governor. He can't be my senator. He can't be my congressman. He can't be my dictator either. But he can be my king if I let him. Hallelujah. I'm so glad he's the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Hallelujah. Nobody needs to elect him and cast a ballot because he is no matter whatever anybody thinks. And he's going to prove it when he comes back. Amen. There will be no question about it. No, uh, no questionable voting practices. No uh, fake ballots or no mail-in ballots. Amen. He's just going to be king, whether you like it or not. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Acts chapter 6. If you're feeling down, this is your message for you today. Amen. You're down. You got problems. You got a situation on your hand. This is for you and me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Acts chapter 6, and uh, this is a, a, a time in the life of the early church where the apostles and the early church's leaders had a problem. God's good at problems. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. And it says, in, and in those days, what days? The days of revival. And you look at the previous chapter, there's revival. In those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because of their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples, twelve meaning the apostles, uh, multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. <clears throat> and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, uh, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and whom when they had uh, let's see, whom when they set before the apostles, 
whom they set before the apostles, excuse me, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, meaning they laid the responsibility on them. What a prayer, nevertheless. Along with that, in Philippians chapter 4, be careful for nothing, verse 6. Be careful for nothing. In other words, don't, I'll, I'll read you the New Living Translation in just a moment. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. The New Living Translation says this, don't worry about anything. Hello? You got a problem? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. I like that. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Hallelujah. Thank Him for all that He has done. Has He done a lot for you? Man, He's done a lot for me. I know most of you pretty well. I know God has done great things for you, for all of us. And we have a reason to be grateful and to be thankful and continually remind ourselves by continually offering up thanksgiving and from a grateful heart unto the Lord. Amen. Tonight, I want to talk to you a little bit tonight on a lesson entitled, Our Primary Function. Our primary function. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this gathering, this holy convocation of your people who are filled with the Holy Ghost, saved and sanctified, baptized in your name. Lord, they're preparing on their way to heaven for your great coming. And Lord, we pray that you would bless us tonight. Let the word be multiplied in our ears and let us sink down deeper than that into our hearts. Let it change us and let it glorify your name. In Jesus' name we ask and let the church say amen. amen. God bless you. Please be seated. Thank you for standing so long. Amen. I think, you know, the subject really is prayer tonight. It's prayer. Um, and prayer is nothing more than talk. Hello? Prayer is talking to God. I don't know about you, but I talk to God every day. I talk to him about everything. I, I, I just... You know about prayer without ceasing? I talk to him all the time. Little things, frivolous things, funny things. And I laugh, you know, when I talk to him about it. I do. I ask him many times to remind me about a certain thing that I've forgotten. And, uh, and I know the Lord reminds me. It comes back to me. You know how I know? Because uh, you know, if I don't ask him, I don't remember. It's just, not just me. If, if I, I thought about something and I forgot it, you know, many times... Honestly, there's messages that come to me. There's, there's, a, there's a thought. There's a point that comes in. And I said, oh, I'm tired and I'm laying in bed, you know, and it's late at night. And I, so I'll remember in the morning. And I wake up and poof, it's just gone. And so I go to the Lord. I said, Lord, please help me remember. <laughs> and he, and every, every time, really, the Lord. Now, there's been a time when a day or two I'll say, well, you know, that was really worth losing a little sleep over. You should have wrote it down when I told you. So he makes, makes me wait a day or two, and, and then he you know, sends it back again. But, but it, you can talk to God about anything. And, uh, and there's times, obviously, when we get together in a congregation, it's important to have congregational prayer. 
But it's important to have a walk with him where you talk to him uh, along the way and, uh, and each and every day and, and invoke his presence and invoke your awareness of him uh, because it will help you to set the pace of the day. It will help to set your, your frame of mind and uh, it will make the day go less hard. I don't say easier. I say less hard. Amen. But God gives the strength and the grace. How many can say amen? amen? But we need to pray. Psalm 65 two tells us, O thou that hearest prayer, speaking about God, unto thee shall all flesh come. The Bible says if you're flesh and blood, you're going to have to come to him for prayer. He expects us to come to him to prayer. Hebrews, excuse me, Matthew 6, verse 7, uh, Jesus is still talking on the, uh, on the mount. Uh, where he is uh, giving his sermon, as they call the Sermon on the Mount. And he says in verse 7, But when ye pray, not if, when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Again, if you're flesh, you're expected to come to pray. Jesus speaks in, uh, in his Sermon on the Mount, when you pray, not if you pray. He expects you and I to pray to him. Luke 18, 1, he says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Ought, you know, that uh, English word from the Middle Ages that, that refers to owing a debt, and it is, it is something that obliges you to do something. Paul, writing to Timothy, 1 Timothy 2, uh, verse 1, through four, it says, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will, who wants to, have all men to be saved. And to come unto the knowledge of the truth. And Paul, through the Spirit, is exhorting Timothy there by us in the 21st century as well. To first of all, give our attention to supplication, prayer, intercession. Giving of thanks for all men. Even for kings. Now back then this was Emperor of Rome, Nero. One of the most corrupt, one of the most immoral leaders you can ever imagine. And yet... The Holy Ghost says, pray for him. Pray for him. That's why we need to pray for all of our leaders in authority, no matter who they are, from the lowest to the highest. God expects us to. In 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 19 and 23, uh, the people of God asked for a, a king. Uh, they rejected Samuel, uh, uh, and rather his sons, because uh, they really turned away from the Lord. And they weren't very happy at all with the situation. And they said, you know what? Uh, they looked around and said, what we need, we need is a king like everybody else around us. This, uh, this, this judge's business hasn't worked for us very good for the last 400-some years. And it's about time we had some stable, solid king, some leadership we can see, somebody we can come to all the time and depend on to uh, fight our battles, to, uh, to take care of us and, and look to for help in preserving our posterity and uh, Samuel, uh, we, we, we want a king. And of course, Samuel was very uh, sad. And when he prayed about it, he went right to the Lord. 
And the Lord said, look, they didn't refuse you. They rejected me. And uh, they rejected me from being king over them. And so uh, when the people uh, get the message back from, from God and how that they sinned and asking for a king, the people said in verse 19, and all the people said unto Samuel, pray for thy servants unto the Lord thy God that we die not. For we have added unto our sins this evil to ask us a king. And in verse 23, uh, uh, Samuel is responding to a plea where they said, pray for thy servants. And he said, after he chided them again about asking for a king, he said, moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and right way. God forbid. God called me to be a, a prophet to you. And even when you do wrong, I will pray for you. It is our duty to pray. And uh, not just preachers, pastors, evangelists. It's our duty as saints of the Most High. We are anointed by the Holy Ghost. And again, Matthew uh, chapter 6 and 7, that I just read there, when you pray... Amen. Uh, it's not addressed to preachers. It's addressed to the crowd. And again, Psalm 65, it's all flesh. There's no distinction there between titles and position in the body of Christ. It's everybody. And so it's our duty, but especially for leaders. Uh, uh, Melchizedek was uh, a priest. Uh, Jesus, by the Bible says, was a priest after the order of Melchizedek, meaning uh, that Melchizedek and neither Jesus were of the Levitical lineage of the Old Testament Hebrew priesthood. Uh, they were aside, and yet they were greater than the Levitical priesthood. They were much more superior. And Melchizedek, I don't know what you've heard about him. He's not somebody who, uh, who was uh, born without a mother or father. It's not a theophany of God. It is simply a man uh, that was not of the lineage of Levi, that's for sure, and certainly not from Abraham. More than likely, he was a descendant of Shem because he was the chosen uh, son uh, through whom the Messiah would come. As you know, Ham, excuse me, uh, Noah had three sons, Ham and Japheth and uh, Shem. And Shem was the th one of the three sons that uh, was designated to be the, 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 the lineage through which the Messiah would come. And the word Semitic or Semite comes from the word Shem. Originally, they were called Shemites or Shemites, uh, well, Shemitic people. So those who are descendants of Shem. So more than likely, Melchizedek was a man who was a descendant of Shem. But he was not of Abraham. God was calling an, uh, Abraham for a special purpose and creating a, a, a nation and a people just for himself. And it excluded Melchizedek before, before that. Um, so in any case, uh, Hebrews 5, 7 says this about Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared, meaning revered, respected. He had a walk of prayer with Almighty God before Abraham ever came on the scene. In fact, it was this Melchizedek, as you recall, that Abraham came and gave a tithes of his goods when he won that victory and that battle uh, against uh, uh, the kings who took away Lot and 
all the Sodomites into captivity. He rescued all of them just to rescue his nephew, Lot. And so Melchizedek was that priest, that high priest who offered up prayers and supplications. You know, the Bible tells us that we are kings and priests in his kingdom. Since you have been born again of the water and of the spirit, every man, woman, or child who has been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the spirit, you have been anointed to be a king and a priest in the kingdom of God. And with the priesthood comes this ministry of reconciliation, this ministry of prayer, ministry of intercession, this, this ministry of calling out uh, prayer for the needs of the many people that you know in your circle. You're a priest. And God is expecting you and I to do just that. Amen. And I said all this to bring us again to uh, an aspect of prayer that uh, I think we, we know and, and it's in the back of our minds and we understand, but, but I want to bring it to the forefront tonight. And my basic message tonight is this, that all problems are prayer problems. All problems are prayer problems. In other words, if there's a problem, the answer begins with prayer. That's what I'm talking about. Amen. Uh, so all, all problems are prayer problems. So we need to seek God first. And I want to mention a few examples to you from the Bible, uh, both in the Old and New Testament, to just kind of refresh this in your minds so that you and I, as we go through the problems of the 21st century, and I'm not just talking about geopolitical situations. I'm not talking about our national politics. I'm not talking about our economy. Uh, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about whatever you're going through in your everyday life. It's whatever kind of problems you might have in your family. It's whatever kind of problem you might be experiencing in your own life, walking with God. Maybe it's a health issue, I don't know. And we have some of those in our midst as well. But perhaps with some of the, some of the examples that I mentioned tonight, you will be able to see yourself and to see that there's a definite role that you play, a definite activity, a function. I call it our primary function that we are entitled to and expected to fulfill. And that is to pray, to seek God first. I want to bring to you Abraham, first of all. I'm not going to list all of the things that they prayed about. He was the father of the faithful, right? Hebrews chapter 11 tells us about that. But Sarah was barren. He had no child. Now, he had a promise from God already, you know, that, that he's going to give him a child and he's going uh, to have an heir. Uh, but he says this in, in chapter 15, as God comes to, them, to him, and in Genesis 15, verse 1, I'll read a few verses. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. Sarah couldn't have any children. At least up to this point, she couldn't. And what did Abraham do? He prayed about it. What's your need? Are you trying to have children? 
Age 75? Maybe not. But maybe in younger days, and maybe you're in a situation where, you know, you and your husband talk about it. Maybe you'd like to. Well, God bless you. And you're having problems, talk to God about it. I'm not saying you are. I don't, I don't know about anything. I don't. But you see what I'm talking about? It's, it's something that's very personal to Abraham and Sarah. And what does he do? He brings it up to God. Lord, I, Sarah can't have any children. What about this? Can you help us out? And, and so God revealed uh, to him that he's going to have a son, an heir from his own loins. Well, you know the next step of the story that uh, Sarah said, you know what, let mine just marry Hagar and just have a child by, by, by her. And, you know, that's probably God's plan. Well, it wasn't it. They messed things up. But God fixed it, kind of. <laughs> They're still fighting over, over that. Hallelujah. Between Ishmael and Isaac, Arabs and the Jews. That's, that's the essence that they're half-brothers. Same father, different mothers. But still, God talked to him and Abraham talked to God to find the remedy and to make things right and to fix things the best they could. Uh, following God's voice. And then Abraham in Genesis 18, you know the story, uh, God tells Abraham about, about his intent to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he mentioned it to him. And, and of course, right away, Abraham becomes concerned. His nephew still lives in Sodom and Gomorrah. He's uh, uh, an alderman, if you please. He's somebody that sits at the gate, uh, one of the city leadership. And, uh, and, and so he begins to intercede in his behalf, and not just for him, he, he actually doesn't mention him by name. He's, he's saying, but Lord, are you going to destroy the righteous people, the innocents in that city? He was concerned about the innocent. And considering that here we are in the 21st century, close to the coming of the Lord, I think it, it shows us that it, it would behoove us as kings and priests of his kingdom in this day and age that we concern ourselves about the innocent people in our world. And we do, obviously. Innocent blood, abortion. Oh, how many children die. But, and again, how many, how many mothers are there that are hurting as a result of that, the aftermath and the consequence? They'd be told, all oh, it's just one thing. It's nothing but just flesh and it's blood. It's, it's just tissue. It's, it's not a person. And they come away with us and all of a sudden they come, come away emotionally, mentally, physically changed. And they're brain is, is haunted by all kinds of thoughts and memories. They never talk about that. It's innocence. There are innocent people in our world that we need to concern about them. And we need to pray for them. Then you, you, you go down to Jacob. Uh, Jacob uh, prayed to find out how to obtain God's promises. Now you know the story how he, how he cheated his brother East out of the blessing and then we got it. He shouldn't, he needed to have done that. He, God would have taken care of it. He's already prophesied that the elder is going to serve the younger. But he cheated his, his elder brother out of the blessing. And he had to run for his life. He ran into, into exile for 20 years. And mind you, there's, the Bible does not record one prayer during that time of absence. And here he had the promises of God already. His father, Isaac, blessed him. He had the blessing. But he couldn't. 
occupy the blessing, the land, until he really made peace with his brother. And that didn't take place until 20 years later. But all through that 20 years, he got married, Rachel and Leah, children came on the scene and so on. He got 12 children. He came home with a big horde of, 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 uh, of, of animals and, and then all these people that he came with. Him. And he went back home and, and the truth is he could not come back into the place of his inheritance until he made peace with Esau. And that did take place. But before that happened, you know what he had to do. He had a big problem. He went up on the mountaintop to pray. Mount Peniel. It was there that God met with him. There was an angel that was his pastor, and he, you know, was called Angel of the Lord, and he wrestled with him all night long. And and in the morning he touched the hollow of his thigh, and and uh, and he got the blessing. His name was changed from uh, from uh, Jacob to Israel, and uh, and uh, he got the blessing. But but he had to pray. He had to pray. And even after that blessing, when his name was changed. He still had family issues. And Jacob went back to, to pray more about this. Now, I have to tell you that, that, that this prayer life and building altars didn't uh, go good from one day to the next. It wasn't, you know, all for 20 years you didn't pray once and all of a sudden you pray one time and man, it became a prayer warrior. No, it didn't. Because when you look at uh, Genesis chapter 32 when this encounter with God takes place, uh, you don't, you don't, Find him building an altar to Genesis 35, three chapters later. And in between there, something happened to his daughter, Dinah. He was supposed to have gone to Bethel to fulfill his promise to God. But 20 years ago, he left. That's where he had that vision and that dream where he saw angels ascending and, descend, and, ascending and descending on that on the ladder, and, and he awoke from that place, and he said, surely this is the house of God, and I knew it not. And he poured oil on top of that, that rock that was his pillow, and he said, when I come back, and if God allows me to come back here in peace, then I will build an altar here, and I will give a tithe of all my increase to the Lord right here, because I know that he is God. And Bethel means the house of God. Beth, house, El. Of the house of God. And so he made that promise 20 years ago. And yet when he comes back, even after he reconciles with Esau, and God appears to him on the mountain the night before, and he walks differently as a result, and he knew that he had a, 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 an encounter with God, and his name is now changed from Jacob to Israel, and yet he still doesn't go back to Bethel. It wasn't until his daughter gets defiled. Until finally God speaks to him again and said, Jacob, don't you think it's about time you go back and do what you said you're going to do? And that's what we read in Genesis 35. One, and God said unto Jacob, arise and go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Of course, then Jacob told his, his family and uh, they had him uh, take a, put away all their the idols and their had them change their clothes, and they buried it under a tree. And they went on, and the Bible says the Lord uh, put the fear of God in their enemies, and uh, nobody bothered them, nobody touched them, and the Lord blessed them. But in verse 6, it tells us, so Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan, that is Bethel. He and all the people that were with him, and he built an altar and called the place El Bethel, 
because their God appeared unto him and when he fled from the face of his brother, El Bethel. Now it's no longer just Bethel. Now it's the God of the house of God. Hallelujah. The God of the house of God. But you see, he, he learned to pray. He learned to, to approach God. And that's what you and I have to do. We have to, you know, even when we drag our feet, we just, you know, God's waiting on us. God's waiting on us to bring our family issues, to bring our problems, to bring our needs, to bring our waste, the things that burden us down, and talk to him about it. Because just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. The song is good. The song has it right. Moses, he prayed, prayed much as a leader. And uh, people rebelled. And how many times do we read, Lord, what am I going to do? And every time when they rebelled, they said, God, your people. <laughs> really, you can see that, right? <laughs> your people. And uh, anyway, uh, in leadership, we go to the Lord. I go to the Lord in prayer about you. I do. Hallelujah. And, uh, and I take you to the Lord. Not that you have caused me a lot of problems. Yeah, but that's not the issue. If you do, believe me, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to talk about you. Hallelujah. I'm going to talk to the Lord. Because, uh, you know, really, a, a pastor, <laughs> after a while, realizes that really he can't solve any problems. I can't solve any problems. I can't. All I can do is pray, and all I can do is give some spiritual insight from the Word of God. I could, with the help of the Lord and inspiration of the Spirit, give you a solution that I believe is from God. But it's totally up to you whether you decide to accept it or not and actually do it. Uh, and we see that in Old Testament as well. How many times did God provide the remedy for the situation of any given generation or any given leader? And it's what they need. And yet it was rejected. And, it, and it's a hard pill to swallow for a leader. And sometimes leaders take it personally. They shouldn't. Amen. And, and I think I have managed to reach that point where honest I can say, and I have been. You know, I don't take credit for anything, and I don't take the blame either. Now, if there's something that I'm to blame for, guilty. When it be that. But I, I'm a servant of the Lord. I'm an under-shepherd. And Moses was too. And he recognized that a mighty one at that. But regardless of how much God uses a servant, how many miracles is performed, or what, how many people he leads, Moses had a congregation of about two and a half million. Beat that. And yet, it was full of problems. How many of them made it to the promised land? How'd you like to have a pastor like Moses? And yet, most of them died out from age 20 on up. And uh, no wonder he prayed. No wonder he took, took, took all the needs in prayer. Then you look at King David. He was a king. He was a leader. He messed up royally, pardon the pun, with Bathsheba as a king. Gross immorality. And yet he prayed. We see uh, Psalms 51 as a result of his repentance. I'm, I'm honestly still awed at the fact that God didn't kill him. 
the law of Moses demands capital punishment for an adulterer and adulteress, both parties, to be executed. And God spared both, Bathsheba and David. Now, the only thing I can come to again is that, is again, the, the lesson we learned from the positioning of the of the, the two tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments inside the Ark of the Covenant. And on top of that was the golden lid, the mercy seat, signifying, as we are also revealed in James chapter 2, that mercy rejoices against judgment. And, and the actual physical positioning of the tablets of stone in the uh, Ark, and on top of that, the mercy seat, that mercy is above the law. Mercy is above the law. God is a merciful God. He's a, he's a gracious God. And uh, so thankful that he is. But here's David. And, uh, and he was confronted by his sin of adultery and murder, having her husband, an innocent one, put to death simply by putting him in the forefront of a battle where everyone knew that he would die. And in Psalm 31, after Nathan the prophet comes and confronts him, he says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. Not because of my goodness or not because of I'm worthy to be forgiven because I am king. Hmm? According to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, the only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness and the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from thy sins. Blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast not away, cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee, etc., etc. There's a rule to play after you confess and after you've been restored from a gross iniquity and from grievous immorality. This prayer is a result of a problem. You talk about a major problem. David had it. Imagine having that kind of problem. Where you committed adultery with another person. And then you had her husband murdered. Look how many families you infected and affected. Hurt. Devastated. Grieved for years. And some of those people had really grieved and were angry with David for, for generations. At least one. 
But it's a, it's a person with a problem. And what did he do? David was just confronted with his sin. And instead of trying to cover it up and justify himself, he grows broken before God in prayer. In prayer. It's a good thing for us to know when you're tempted and you fall, it should be an exception, not the rule. That's what living above sin is. It's not that you won't, it's, it's the exception. And when, when something happens, then you have to take it seriously and understand that, that God's holiness demands judgment, you judging yourself. And he gives us that privilege to do it ahead of time so he won't have to do it, so we can spare ourselves his judgment. But he had a problem, a very human problem, a problem that's very prevalent in our day. Adultery and fornication is, is, in, is an incredible problem in today's world. And it's really worthy of death in God's eyes, okay, spiritually speaking. So we're not, we're not touting or, or advocating capital punishment for those people. But God shows us through the law, which is a teacher that brings us to Christ, that, that, that even under grace, even a greater, higher standard is, is, is demanded of us. But it shows us how serious God is about these sins and that it will cost us eternity if we don't repent, truly repent. And that's borne out to us in, in the New Testament scriptures too, right? From 1 Corinthians 6 and onward. Um, and so, so David had a problem, and, uh, and he prayed sincerely and honestly, and God forgave him. Peter, the apostle, I'm talking way after his conversion and uh, after the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 12, you know, he was arrested by Herod, and he was uh, set up to be executed uh, uh, after the uh, Passover from Easter uh, was over. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 12, verse 5, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. The Jerusalem church had a problem. Had a problem. What did they do? They didn't want Peter to be taken away. They didn't want Peter executed. They fasted and prayed until something happened. I said, all problems are prayer problems. Paul and Silas, you know the story. Acts chapter 16, uh, they were wrongfully accused. They uh, were in jail in the midnight hours, Acts 16, 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. That precedes the singing. Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly... There was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. They prayed. They had a problem. You may have a problem today. You may get one tomorrow. I don't know. Maybe it'll be your feet and hands that will be in stocks for whatever reason. And you can know of a surety that when you seek a God and you reach out to him, that you can find him. And he'll be there for you. Daniel prayed three times a day. He knows what it's like to be in jail. And of course, they 
had it in for him, some of the leaders of uh, the emperor's day in Babylon. And he kept on praying, and he ended up in the lion's den. And he kept on praying there, too. He had a problem, right? The government rules and law. Nobody can pray, make any petition from their God unless they get permission from the king. Well, Daniel said, forget that. I'm going to flip my windows open. I'm going to keep on praying three times a day just like I always have. They wrote him up for it, arrested him, put him before the king. The king was mad, threw him in the lion's den. He had a bigger problem. But God said an angel. I said, all problems are prayer problems. It's worthwhile and your while and my while to take every problem to the Lord, no matter what it is. You see the connection here between all of these? Whether it's barrenness or, or persecution, whether it's wrongful accusation, whether it's a grievous sin, whether it's family issues. Jehoshaphat outnumbered. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, he had a problem. Yes, he was a king. He was a, a mighty ruler, um, but he had a problem. You may not be a king. Uh, you may be the head of your household. If you have a problem, you can pray. Uh, we are, after all, kings and priests in his kingdom, right? Amen. Second Chronicles 20. Uh, it came to pass after this also the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat saying, there cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria and behold, they be in Hazaroth Hatamar, which is in Engedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. And proclaim the fast throughout all Judah. You see that? I know you know this. You heard the story. I'm just trying to, to, to again, to reinforce this concept of approaching God whenever you and I have a problem. No matter how big or how small. No matter how public or how personal. Bring it to God in prayer first. God is not overwhelmed by that problem. He's the only one that can really help you. And he's the only one that can give you peace as you confront this problem and you're wringing your hands, getting an ulcer, asking yourself the question, what am I going to do? And here's the answer. Hallelujah. He fasted and prayed. And Judah gathered themselves together, ask help of the Lord, even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah, of Jerusalem, and in the house of the Lord before the new court. You know, it's good to bring your problems to the house of the Lord. I'm sorry, but it is. It's good to bring your problems to the house of the Lord and talk to God here. It's good to come to prayer meetings on Monday nights and say, Lord, O oh God of our fathers, art thou not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is, is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God who, must, who did drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel uh, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? Etc., etc. And he says, you know, you told us to call upon you for help whenever all these things come, judgment, pestilence, affliction, and so on, that you will hear and you will help. And he says... Uh, verse 12, O oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this company that cometh against us. 
Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. You know, sometimes, again, we face problems that we simply don't know what to do. It is overwhelming. And in the physical sense, and the emotional sense, and in the financial realm, maybe it's really totally beyond our means to address. But when we pray, God will bring an answer. God will open a door where there is no door. And he will make a way where there is no way. Daniel, when he was challenged to, to, to get an answer, what was this vision or dream all about? The Bible said he prayed for understanding. He had one of the greatest visions, uh, prophetically speaking, in the, in the Bible that jives and corresponds totally with the book of Revelation. And he fasted and prayed three weeks to, to get understanding. It shows us that, that if you need some insight into a, a very complex problem, do some fasting and praying of your own because God will hear you and God will answer and he will give you just exactly the answer that you need. And nobody can do it any better than him. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm almost done. Hezekiah is the last example I want to use to you tonight lay dying as he prayed and God gave him another 15 more years. Listen to his prayer. It's uh, 1 Kings chapter 20 verse 1 through 6. And in those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. Well, you may not be sick unto death, but you never know what tomorrow brings. I'm not preaching negativity. I'm not wanting anybody to get sick. But we just don't know. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. That's the word of God. And then he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord. You talk about a problem. Look, when God says, your days are numbered, it's over. Set your house in order. Make sure you write out your will. Because I'm coming for you. And you're coming home. Well, Hezekiah didn't want to go yet. He talked to God about it. You got a problem like that? Or if you'll ever have a problem like that, and you think you're not ready, maybe, maybe you think you have something to do yet. I don't know what the situation may be. I think this example is written to us for a purpose. Because just one of us here might get in that situation where, you know, we're, we're sick unto death or we have some kind of situation that is, is life-threatening and we feel like we haven't finished our business. We feel. And look at what Isaiah, excuse me, Hezekiah says. Verse 3, I beseech thee, O Lord. This is his prayer. I beseech thee, O Lord. Remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart. And have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Simple prayer. Simple prayer. It wasn't long. It wasn't ornate. It wasn't really uh, very, very incredible oratory. Very simple. Verse 4, and it came to pass before Isaiah was gone out into the middle of court. Mind you, this happened... <laughs> God's answer came back to change and rescind the order from the time that Isaiah told him what was coming down the path and he was walking out. The Lord said, turn around. I got another message. 
And it came to pass for Isaiah was gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him saying, turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, thus saith the Lord, the God of David, thy father. I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. On the third day, thou shalt go up under the house of the Lord. And I will add unto thy days 15 years. And I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. He had 15 years added to his lifespan. God can do that. God can do that. Hezekiah had a problem. And, uh, and he prayed about it. And God heard him. And he extended his life. All problems are prayer problems. Now, we know that just prayer is not enough. We know that faith, prayers of faith, make all the difference. I mean, you can say all the words you want. Prayer is just talking to God. But if you don't pray them in faith, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For they that come to God must believe that He is, and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So if you come and seek Him in prayer, then come in faith believing that God is able to help you and I. After all, when you look at James chapter 5, 15, when it tells us that if there any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church and anoint with oil, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. The prayer of faith, not prayer, the prayer of faith shall save the sick. It's got to be done in faith, and all the faith of the recipient side. And Jesus answered, excuse me, in, in Mark 11, 22-24, Jesus is answering Peter uh, who, who on his way uh, back to the temple the next day saw that this fig tree that he cursed was all withered up now. And, he's, and, and he told the Lord Jesus, look, it, it withered up just like you said. And in verse 22 of Mark 11, Jesus says, and Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. Faith. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, shall no doubt and not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. Andrea, would you come to the music please? And would you stand with me? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All problems are prayer problems. Say it with me. All problems are prayer problems. All problems are prayer problems. Amen. Prayer problems. And our primary function is to pray. And we have to remember that faith is an important part of our praying. And works. Sometimes, you know, you have to put legs on those, on that faith. You know, God came to Abraham and Sarah when they were 99 and 98. Because Sarah had the child at 99 and Abraham was 100. And when God told Abraham and Sarah a year before the birth that they're going to have a child... What did Sarah say? 
get this, shall I yet have pleasure in my Lord? Now, I'm not, now don't, don't, don't try to, I'm treading a holy ground here. Don't, don't desecrate what I'm telling you. But in response to that promise and that word by faith, at age 98 and 99, they have to have some intimacy to bring forth a child where the Bible plainly already tells us that Sarah was past menopause. That it ceased to be with her as was the manner with women. The birth of Isaac was miraculous. But it was by the promise of God. In the New Testament, Paul has a lot to say about that. That Isaac was a child of the promise. It's a miraculous birth in another way that he was really a, a type and shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ. But do you get the picture here? That, that when we pray and we believe, God will tell us to do certain things. And we better go do it. Because we're not going to inherit the promise until we act upon what God tells us to believe. <laughs> and to do. And James says it best, for faith without works is dead. But all prayer should begin at the altar. As you come to seek God, remember, your prayers should go first by the altar of repentance, the altar of sacrifice. Whether it's the tabernacle or temple, the first thing was the brazen altar, sacrifice. It's repentance. Make sure you're covered by the blood before you press your way in. Hebrews tells us that, that, that we, are, we can come into his presence and, and have boldness to enter in through his blood, meaning we need to plead that blood to cover us, that sacrifice that he made. And we have to remind ourselves and remind him that we honor the, 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 the commitment that we made in our, in our, our dedication and our bodies being dedicated to him as a living sacrifice. So, Lord, I come boldly into you, but, Lord, I come through your blood and all that it did for me in covering me. And now I ask and invoke that blood to cover me again as I come near to you. Cleanse me from all my iniquities, all things that, that, that have made me unclean in your sight. Cleanse me. And I come in in repentance and an attitude of humility and I come to the Lord and I make my petitions known unto him. So this is why even Peter on the day of Pentecost inspired by the Spirit, the first thing he said before he came to the gift of the Holy Ghost, the gift of God, the gift, the greatest gift that God can give that Jesus died on the cross to give us began with repentance. Repent and be baptized. Repent, and you shall receive the Holy Ghost. Any blessing, every miracle, everything you need from you and I need from God has to come through repentance, through the blood of Jesus. Would you close your eyes for a moment as this praise team comes? I just want to remind you again that all problems are prayer problems. Are you sick in your body tonight? Have you been enduring some long-term sickness? 
Has the enemy attacked you, the enemy of your soul? Have you been battling temptations? You feel like you've been overwhelmed? Has sin really overwhelmed you? Have you lost your direction? Do you have problems? Finances? Family issues? The answer is prayer. Because every problem is a prayer problem. I feel the burden of many in there who really are facing a struggle with problems. Wonder if while these singers are praising God and we invoke his presence that you that he would seek him for a little while that you would talk to him just talk to him talk to him every day but talk right now I don't know what you're going through I, I really don't God does I know some of the things that some of you are facing I'm concerned about my daughter-in-law facing surgery Friday massive surgery I don't know how it's going to succeed or not we're hopeful we're optimistic my grandchildren have been sick they're burdened not as people but their problems weigh on me There may be others in here that are the same way. You have, you have loved children and grandchildren and other relatives that you're concerned about. As we heard from the Philippians, it's, let none of those things continue to weigh you down, but by prayer and supplication, make all of that known unto the Lord. I would ask that you would sit right where you are. If you feel like coming and to the front of praying, Please do so. But I would ask that you would immerse yourself in the presence of the Lord right now as they sing and talk to the Lord. Talk to Him. Whatever your problem might be, whether hard or easy, whether complex or impossible, our God specializes in impossibilities. Hallelujah. Would you sing?